Hello, we are the National Black Cooperative, and our vision is for Black, Indigenous, and people of color to flourish with all liberties in life, free from oppression and every aspect of life. Our mission is to fight against anti-Black Blackness, systemic racism, and social injustice through education, advocacy, and community engagement so that Black, Indigenous, and people of color cannot just merely survive, but flourish. So first, we're going to do intros. Um, and I can start. My name is Adriana Sowell. Um, I'm the president and one of the founders of the National Black Cooperative. Um, I, I have a degree in the Associates in Science, Liberal Arts and Sciences, and a bachelor's degree in Social Medical Sciences. Social justice, racial justice, health equity, um, among other things. Yeah. Who wants to go next, guys? Um, I can go next. My name is Zach Mega. I am the head lead for everything graphic design when it comes to National Black Cooperative. Recent graduate of Northeastern University. I have a minor in graphic design, and my major is in poli sci. Uh, what's popping? Uh, it's your boy Jakai. <laughs> I am the co-lead moderator and i am a recent <clears throat> excuse me a recent graduate of wheaton college and i currently work at the posse foundation in new york city and that's me i'll go next um my name is Costella copeland i'm also a co-lead um my role is uh doing co-lead and kind of helping out with lots of tech and anything really. Um, I'm a triple major in poli-sci, human rights and gender studies. I also have a master's in educational technology. I'm working on my doctorate in educational leadership. I just I just love school and it, it kind of leads into my passions of teaching for life and doing uh, lots of different things. So my goal is to just educate as many people as I can on the knowledge that I have. So I'm so happy to be here. To Castella's love of education there. That's what brings me brings me here and doing stuff too. I'm Nick. I do outreach and other organizing for um I have a bachelor's university Asian studies. But my passion, like I said, is also in education um and social justice and teaching in and around it. Um a college counseling company um that works with students in Beijing. Um, and I also do um, some for local campaigns in New York City and hopefully soon in Boston, uh, too. Now that I think we're all introduced, I'll throw it back to Adri. What we yes, got going on? Yes, thank you. And thanks, everybody. We really appreciate all you guys introducing yourself to our community. Uh, we also, this is just part of our e-board. This is like the only the amount of people were able to fit into our um, Zoom call right now, but we also have some other um, e-board members that are gonna be um, coming in a little bit later in the podcast um, to introduce themselves too. So stay tuned for that. And the first things we're gonna, this podcast is gonna be kind of a year in review as our uh, one year anniversary of starting this org is gonna be June 6, 2021. Uh, we started this org June 6, 2020. Um, and we wanted to have our first podcast kind of be a review of everything that we've done, how we feel about what we've done, kind of looking at what we could do better, um, and kind of just 
reflecting on the past year and how we have advocated for racial justice and social justice. Um, so yeah, so first, the first question that we're gonna start off with is how did um, TMBC start? Um, and I guess I probably can start off on that front. Um, TMBC started as like very much so brainchild um, um, out of kind of the Flourishing Peeps Zoom meetings we would have. So Flourishing Peeps is like a group chat I have with some um, of our other eboard members, Corona, Eve, and Annika, um, who are from one of my cla our, our class called um, Perspectives on Flourishing in Anthropology at UConn. Um, and we would meet like every week talking about like social justice and how we view the community and how we, um, what kind of transformations we wanna see in our own communities as far as like social justice, um, equity and health justice goes. Um, and as the police, as we started to see the continuous police violence um, in the midst of COVID starting with Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor um, and George Floyd, we were like trying to find a tangible way in, a, in order to evoke change. So we started to um, kind of like figure out what protests we can go to and see how we can get engaged in the community in that way. Um, and I had texted the group chat with an idea. I was like, what if we have like a very intentional protest? Like we have all these people coming together that are like-minded, that wanna create change, that wanna see social transformation, but they never really get a chance to interact with each other and talk to each other. There's always somebody like talking at them and making a speech, but we never really seize the moment of having all these like-minded individuals um, together and trying to make that um, collaborative change. So I so said, what if we start like an org that would do that? And we like email governor and do all this really um, transformative stuff. And from there, we started reaching out to our friends and friends, friends of friends. And we had our first meeting um, the night um, after we went to our first protest in downtown Hartford. So I don't know if anybody else, want, who else wants to go next kind of like of where they kind of got into that story or where their entry point was um, when it comes to TNBC. Um, I can go next if no one um, wants to. Um, I think my first introduction was a friend, Corona, reached out to me on behalf of Adriana because I actually didn't know Adriana um, until I joined the organization and Corona kind of asked me where I thought I would fit in best. And, you know, I've always been an artist. I've always been into art. And last summer was really rough. Um, given everything that was going on, I was in Boston, still am. And I felt like, you know, I wanted to do something that was somewhat connected to being back home in Connecticut while still doing art and while still being positive um, and like for a good cause. And TMBC like really fit that role. So um, I wasn't the lead uh, for graphics, uh, but eventually the person who was the lead stepped down and I like kind of absorbed that position. And yeah, it's it was kind of just like the perfect scenario at the time to like really make me feel like I was doing something. Um, I was going to protest here in Boston, but I felt like, you know, I could do more and especially I could do more with other people because it sometimes felt like, you know, I, I wasn't using the best of my abilities um, over here in Boston. So having like a grassroots organization like TMBC to like really put my time and effort in was, you know, it was right place, right time. So that that's pretty much how I got here. 
Yeah, and to piggyback off of Zach, once uh, once Corona had reached out to Zach, Zach then reached out to me and told me right. TNBC, and then Corona reached out to me and said that I don't think I had a specific role necessarily, um, and if I did, I think it definitely just kind of switched um, later down the line, and pretty similar to Zach, um, you know, there was just. I feel like an influx of seeing basically black bodies being shot by the police, murdered by the police specifically. And I think it really, for lack of better words, really disgusted me. And I was really just searching for what my sort of role and duty was. Um, Cause I guess that's the type of person I am. I kind of put that sort of pressure on myself to sort of be like, okay, I see what's going on. What am I going to do about it? And so because I really wanted to do something actionable, I felt like TNBC was a really good fit just because TNBC was really about just actually doing something, um, creating events and creating awareness um, on these sorts of issues. I guess I'll go next. Um, so my entry point was when I know Nick, you emailed me at a previous uh, position that I had. And um, I, I loved doing the work because I was able to get to do a lot of social justice work and I adapted very quickly because as soon as the pandemic hit, I, I did lots of research on like, how can I adapt the educational curriculum that I've been working on and also been implementing and facilitating and teaching and doing it for adults, doing it for kids and all sorts of things. Um, and I was trying to find ways to adapt. So, and I felt like I was coming to a place where I was stuck, where I wanted to flourish more, but in the space that I was in, I personally felt like I couldn't be where I wanted to be. And so like, when I heard about this group, I was like, oh great, maybe I can like run with some ideas and feel loved and supported because last year was hard. I wound up working thousands of hours at the end of the day, I just, I was sometimes sit, sit there and think for what? I'd look at the news and just see like, oh, that's depressing. I'd like be trying to help people when it, it was just a, a hard time to, to you know, truly exist. So um, my kind of entry point was just finding a, a way to, to not only be valid as like a mixed queer person, but also like to, to find a place where I make a difference. So um, I just kind of started out as the person attending the events and I was like, put me in coach. And then like, I got to meet everyone here and realized I already knew most of them from UConn or from like Hartford or from so many places. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's been nice being here. Be loved. That sentiment of just being like you have ideas and and that's really important um i think while uh, my goals kind of coming in were to make similar to what Jakai was saying I, you know i wanted to kind of step up to a moment and figure out what was my place in in um what had been like an ongoing long long-term um fight for change but that had kind of gotten re-sparked last summer particularly um like publicized um, and so I was trying to figure out 
use what I know? How do I use um, what I'm learning about in a job that I had to then do things that are more in, in line with the values that I have? Because um, the work that I do technically now is, is for a private company um, for students who often is very disconnected uh, context of the United States. Um, my work also tends to follow in that vein. So part of part of doing was trying to and figuring out how do I do can do who I am um, with the privileges that I have or the resources that I have, the knowledge that I have, um, and how do how do I then find ways to branch that into my own work? Um, but like Castellas something that's kind of evolved for me over time is just seeing just how open this is to uh, of a space and a community that we've kind of created um, for trying out different things, trying out different ways that we want to engage with our communities, um, uh, new ways of engaging over some of these topics, some of the, you know, racial, of course, but also a good deal of other things to do with politics and the pandemic in a lot of different ways. Um, it's been more than a pleasure to be a part of this group, and I'm very glad that I ran into Adri and Corona at a protest last summer, how I got involved in the first place. Um, so yeah, really, really grateful for what this has become and glad. I really, it's really cool being able to hear how like everybody's like entry point and seeing how like it all kind of like, like a puzzle piece, like worked itself together because like, I like, it, it doesn't even feel like a year, but it feels like I've known all of you guys for like so much longer than a year. Um, it's kind of amazing how like how that has kind of coalesced, um, and how it all came about. It's really cool, kind of just like looking back and seeing how that um, this all came to be. And I guess kind of going off of those questions is like, what were your first impressions of the group? Um, if you want to describe how your positions evolved over time in the group, um, in our organization, and Kind of giving a like context of like what your life was like at that time and how TMBC impacted, um, kind of like your life in the pandemic, your life fighting for racial and social justice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the first impressions were definitely interesting because we were still getting used to being um, in quarantine. At least I was. Like the protests of the summer kind of were the first outside activities um, I had done since the beginning of the pandemic. And then, you know, meeting Adriana and meeting everyone online for the first time was was very just like strange. I, I guess I wasn't really used to meeting new people online. Um, and so, you know, there was that. And but once you got over that, it was like very clear that everyone who was meeting in like these um, online video sessions was super like passionate and super dedicated to trying to make things happen and trying to like do good for their community and like really trying to organize around a cause that I was really down for, which was being against police brutality and trying to, you know, just better our communities really. Um, and that's that's what kind of kept me going because I this was exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for a group to more than anything like really talk about these issues because here in Boston at the time, like 
I had just graduated like last year. And to be honest, it was really depressing to just graduate into what seemed like uh, just a super dark and apocalyptic time in this country. And, you know, looking back on it a year later is really wild because it's so much has happened. But, you know, at the same time, it feels like I might as well have graduated this May as opposed to last May. So I don't know. Um, but it's definitely impacted my life for the better. And, you know, I've made some great friends through TNBC and, you know, I'm just really appreciative for the space to like talk about all these things. So I'm not sure I would have had that otherwise. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, my situation is pretty similar to Zach's actually, because um, I also graduated last year and graduated into a pandemic you know, couldn't have a in-person a graduation. That was a bummer in itself. And having to do online school or virtual school for a short amount of time was also not ideal, kind of a drag. Um, and mind you, yeah, just kind of being thrown out into the real world, um, into a pandemic was a whole thing on its own, right? But yeah, and it was really tough. It was really tough. It was actually really depressing to be quite frank. Um, but I think, yeah, TNBC was definitely just a highlight and all that. Like first entering, I was just like, okay, like I know some people, you know, I know Nick, I know Corona, I know Zach, and okay, there are strangers here. And I think like for me, yeah, being introduced to people um, virtually was kind of odd because like I'm just was never, I'm not really used to that, and I'm also kind of like a shyish person too. So I think like. I was just really trying to find like my niche in TNBC and like what my exact like kind of role was. Cause I feel like I really didn't have a specific role in the beginning, but I, then I think I shared that, you know, I did some facilitation when I was in college, um, facilitating, you know, just like conversations about like just certain social topics, racism, sexism. Um, so yeah. And then I think it was both, Adriana and Corona, who was like, hey, you want to be a moderator? And I was like, sure, I like doing that. Um, so to kind of wrap that up, like, yeah, I feel like Team BC was really just sort of a light, you know, um, at the end of it, like kind of like a kind of a dark tunnel um, last year. So, and I feel like after this year, like, you know, I feel like I really have been able to connect with y'all and really get to know y'all. Y'all actually like really cool people. Not that I expect y'all to not be cool people, but y'all definitely exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Oh, it's so well said. Like, I, cause I remember like when I first started out here, I was like, oh no, like, cause I was working for a place where like I felt burnt out every day and I was doing social justice education like every day and it was just constantly like what new thing can i crank out how can i do this how can i do that and like I, I was just so tired and i was like okay hopefully i'll enter this space i get a fresh start i can i can like feel valued instead of having like if i need some time to say like hey i just need to rest or i can't do this or that no one will come for me so it was just like at first i was kind of hesitant because i had a lot going on in my own life between like helping family throughout the pandemic and then like trying to balance work and then school because I just transferred schools um, and, and I went from an in-person school to an all digital school. So I, I transferred doctoral programs and trying to make sure 
everything fit. So um, I kind of hopped in and I'm like, I'm ready to work because I just want to find a space where we can have conversations and have these moments of true, genuine flourishing where it comes about like, within the conversation or with one another, whether it's online or in person. And so I just kind of hopped in being like, put me wherever you need me. I feel like I have a lot of skills, but I don't really like to like uh, celebrate myself. It's something I'm working on. But when I came in, I'm just like, put me wherever I'll, I'll just kind of, I can support, I can do anything you need me to. And for me, it was just like a nice moment to kind of take a step back and kind of reflect on myself because I've been doing the work for over a decade now and I had to take a real like deep moment of like, how am I going to continue to sustain myself for decades to come? And it's been, it's been an interesting journey uh, with that. I think that TNBC has really positively impacted my life because I'm not only surrounded by amazing people, but also amazing opportunities for us to connect and expand not only our own networks, but expand those connections across other people. That was beautiful. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, sorry, Adrian. I just think I had, I want to jump on the idea of like feeling people and then in doing work like this or trying to be involved in work like I just real quick, that's like, I think a good summary of where I was and how TNBC, TNBC has impacted my life. Um, I was really to eat on out of here <laughs> with my job to to be um and at the time i really thought i was still going to be doing that um but the summertime in a lot of getting involved with tmbc was the beginning a very important process in the past year and realized just how much i both needed and wanted where I had grown up and people that um, the issues that I said that I cared about, but that I had always in my local community. Taking a lot of stuff that I wanted to learn about, or I wanted to be involved in, and tried to do it in um, with people that I was less familiar with. Um, and it was a part of a moment, a long time moment um, of just going how does this you know where is the foundation beneath this here like what am i how am i connecting this back to what i do know you know how am i connecting this back to kind of the root um yeah that's basically it so in a really big a big part of feeling connected my hometown and home state um, and old friends I'm trying to grab um, what I hope you know a foundation for future work whether it's in a new uh, you know a new city and even a new country um, kind of has to all start from here and in, anytime soon um so I'll just that but yeah yes definitely and i think kind of similar to all of you guys um when you're talking about like the context of that time um i was technically i was in my 
so I took a fifth year at UConn. So I'm I completed my fifth year this past May. But at that time, I had just finished my first um, senior year at UConn. And I was coming out of it. And at that point, I had done a lot of like racial and social justice work. I had done some look, really looking at the intersections of like um, race and like disability. I had this work in like a fellowship and also like um, health and policy. Um, and I was, I've, I've come from a place where like I was very much so raised. I realized to be like pro-black and like the imagery I saw. And I re realized looking back that like that probably wasn't necessarily everybody's um, childhood. But like, I've always been trying to find a way to make what I know and what I believe and like kind of making action, enacting tangible action. Cause I talk about it a lot, I'm very passionate about it. I'll rant to my parents, you know? And like, but I feel like the connection as far as like specifically doing racial justice work, community organizing work was like how, it always seemed kind of like far off and like kind of like impossible to do um, in a consistent way, especially like while being in school. But I feel like the pandemic like gave a unique point in time where it enabled everything stopped. Like similar to what everybody is saying, like like the sentiments, like everything ended. And it gave me the time to really like act upon, you know, those things I've always kind of wanted to. Um, and I think another thing is that I feel like a lot of times when we were like in the social justice, racial justice space it could feel like our discussions can be like very siloed and it feels like we're like the only ones, you could find your group and you feel like you're the only ones that think this way or believe this way. And it's very hard, especially like on a, a PWI, like UConn, to um, find that like vast community, especially like as a transfer student. Um, so I think when we were able to start TNBC, um, it was nice to be able to finally find like, oh my gosh, like there's other people out here in the world that I didn't know before that I know now that like have the same mindset, the same mentality and are trying to fight for the same things that are in our, in our um, trying to take, you know, actionable steps to create change. Um, and I think that was like very powerful. And I think also like similar to what other people said, it was a very much so grounding moment. Like we didn't realize it at the time but like we've legit had a meeting almost every week since we started the org. And it's not even like something we thought of. And it became almost like therapeutic at points. Um, we started at through like about midway through, we started um, adding like team bonding moments so that we, you know, we can have some like black joy in the midst of like doing this really hard, like laborious work. Um, and it was just amazing to be able to like build community with you guys, like, you know, be able to like learn more about you guys what you're doing what your passions are and how we can like bring that into the work and like being able to put on six successful events um three in person and three virtual i think definitely has been like you know you know that there's no limits to what we can do and that um it's only up from here but i feel like definitely like it impacted my life in a very positive way because like it enabled me like such a crazy chaotic and like um, Jakai and Zach said, like, kind of depressing time to, like, keep pushing forward. But yes, um, with that, I'm going to move on to, like, the next section. Um, yeah. So to date, we've hosted six TMBC community discussions, um, three in person and three virtual, where we brought community members together um, to engage in collaborative discussion, present um, historical context to the stuff that we will be like discussing that day. Um, spotlight Black joy through performing arts such as like poetry and music. 
um, and in the end, develop community solutions um, with all the members that came, the community members that came to our events. Um, all of our events follow one of our um, four fundamental interlocking oppressions um, that we say maintain, help maintain systemic racism. So voting rights, police violence and criminal justice, education equity or and health equity. Um, our first event was in East Hartford and it was named a movement against systemic racism, police violence. Our second event was in West Hartford and it was a community discussion on medical racism and COVID-19. Our third event was my vote counts, kind of targeting how about talking about voter suppression, the importance of our vote, um, the importance of mobilizing our vote, and um, really being critical of the people that we we're voting for, making sure we know um, who we're voting for, what they stand for, what we want, and how we can hold them accountable. And then switching to virtually as the um, the months started to get colder, we started our stepping into 2021 series, um, and. The first event was COVID-19 institutionalized medical racism and vaccine distribution as a vaccine has started to come available at time. And we had a part one and part two of that. And then we also had a collab with the Alpha Zeta Omega new chapter at UConn, um, the UConn pharmacy um, fraternity. And that was based around the factors that drive health disparities. So yeah, so that's kind of like a quick um, overview of what we, have been able to accomplish in the short years. Not, it's definitely not the entirety. Like we started at a website, we um, created an Instagram, um, we created a Facebook, and many other things. But um, that's kind of like a quick synopsis. So with that, um, hey guys. So Sage just entered our entered the chat, <laughs> and um, Sage is one of our eboard members, and she's just gonna quickly introduce herself. Um, and kind of talk about her entry port into the org, um, her name, where she's from, um, and that kind of stuff. So go ahead, Sage, take it away. Hi, I'm Sage. Um, I'm 15 years old, and I go to Windsor High School. Um, I'm part of TNBC. Um, I kind of um, entered this group from uh, our first, I, or not their first, but they had an event, and that's how I met them, and then ever since then, you know, I just was part of their, you know, group. So that's how I entered TNBC. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sage. Um, so, like, our next kind of question, our next topic we're going to talk about is, like, what was your favorite event? Um, what are some of the, what is one of the biggest challenges you think we faced as a group? Our biggest win? And then um, how do you believe that the movement um, for Black liberation has affected how black and um, black indigenous and people of color ability to cope, understand, and articulate how um, racism affects them has changed since the pandemic. Right. You'd answer any um, one of them. Sorry for cutting you off. No, uh, I think that my favorite event has to be the institutionalized medical racism um, event that we did online. Um, the one that also had to do with vaccine distribution. A, because it was our first online event, which I think was kind of also like the biggest challenge. Um, we had been meeting online um, and, you know, we had some really good conversations. So it was natural to think that we could go into doing like an online event. Um, 
but there were challenges that came with that. And, you know, to see the fact that we, you know, took that head on and we actually like made it happen was really impressive to me personally, but also just the fact that, you know, the vaccine was becoming a reality and obviously the history in this country with black people and vaccines and also just general distrust of the government, it led to some really interesting conversations. And I think it might've been the first time that some of us actually had not, not necessarily like hardcore disagreements, but like different perspectives that, you know, challenged the way we saw this vaccine rollout and the way we saw, you know, COVID in general. Um, and I think that was really eye-opening and it was something that, you know, I'm, I really hold those conversations close to my heart because those are something, those are things that like I didn't see beforehand. Um, and, you know, even though I knew all of you, like that really, it made me feel like I knew you on an even more personal level because there were things that, you know, I didn't think that we would disagree on, but we did. And talking through that and understanding exactly why everyone had their own perspective was, you know, really enlightening. Um, so that, that was my take on, you know, my favorite event and why, but in terms of how I think, um, it's this whole, you know, movement has affected, you know, uh, POC's ability to cope and understand how racism affects, you know, the entire population, um, since coronavirus has like kind of become a thing. And then, you know, now is slowly starting to hopefully bookend is, that I, th I think the pandemic more than anything really like shed a light on the country's flaws. Like the United States has, you know, I feel like always been a country that holds itself in such high esteem and high regard um, to the entire world. But if you are a black and brown person in this country, more than likely you understand that, you know, what the country presents itself as is not in fact reality all the time. And the pandemic really like, I feel like tore the cover off of, you know, that facade and really showed that, you know, we don't have a good healthcare system in my personal opinion here in the country um, that, you know, if a pandemic comes and, you know, everyone can work, there are so many people living paycheck to paycheck and we do not have systems in place to protect those people. Um, and, you know, so many other things that are really so fundamental to this country and for a country that claims to be the greatest country in the world, um, something like this really showed what kind of like disparities we really have and what kind of inequalities like are super prevalent to this day. And I think it made a lot of people who weren't necessarily as in touch with those ideas, they couldn't look away from it. You know, the protests of last summer, obviously, you know, it was on, everywhere on TV and it was very dramatic and it was, you know, scary to see at times. Um, but they were a product of issues that have been rooted in this country for generations and generations before us. And I think it brought a lot more people's like, you know, opinions forward because the spotlight was shined on it and it it's kind of sad that it took a whole entire pandemic for those things to come forward. But I think now people are aware of these things and it's in the conversation, which I think is the most, I think the NBC is such an important platform is like 
we talk about these things now, uh, whereas we might not have before. Um, so hopefully that wasn't too long-winded, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah, my boy Zach. Um, let's see how I follow up. Um, well, as far as my favorite event, I originally was going to say um, – talk about the, well, I was going to pick the discussion on medical racism in COVID-19. I really enjoyed that one a lot, to be honest, as far as like our major events, just because I think it revealed, I think it was just like good conversation, especially me sort of um, being a moderator. I was able to um, hear from participants and kind of hear their take on just medical racism and just sort of like the relationship between um, just modern medicine, healthcare, and, and I think race as well, but I really enjoyed the little, it wasn't like a huge event, it was a little like just TNPC event, but I really liked the one on allyship, not because I, um, you know, was like uh, in charge of it or anything like that, but because I think that was when, um, I think this is sort of what Zach was saying, um, that one was where we saw kind of the most opposition and I like opposition. I like when people disagree with me or I disagree with people, you know, because it just, it gives me perspective, you know? And I feel like up until then, we were kind of like, oh, we on the same page about everything. Maybe not everything, of course, but like, you know, but it's like, oh, shoot, no, we really not. You know, we have, and that's cool. Like, I think that's like the beautiful thing about it. Like, we have different ideas of how things are based off like our own personal life experiences. Um, and I think that's really awesome. Um, and I think the biggest thing we faced as a group or a challenge at least is probably like, maybe it's not the biggest, but I think we were having trouble kind of, and I think because we were doing sort of uh, virtual events, it was also like another added layer of difficulty to it. But I think, you know, just bringing in participants proved to be a little difficult. Um, I didn't always really mind because I love just having conversation with the, with the group. So I wasn't too mad when a whole lot of people weren't coming in. But um, yeah, and I would say the way that uh, TBC has uh, shaped the way COVID-19 has impacted my life, uh, um, I would say that, you know, it really was a sort of a light and dark thing, kind of like I was saying previously, like COVID-19 really proved to be just, for lack of better words, trash, but... <laughs> TNBC was really just the GOAT, you know? Um, so super grateful. Um, yeah, and basically, I guess, like, as far as racism and COVID-19 affecting my life on a, on a daily, I'm not going to hold you. Like, I won't be able to really tell you how it affects me on a daily. Like, I'm sure it does. But uh, I think maybe that's a privilege in itself that I'm not seeing it. That I'm not seeing how it's affecting me on the daily because I know for many other people they're they're definitely seeing it. They have no choice but to see it, and it's probably affecting their lives on a much more macro level. Um, um, uh, as far as COVID nineteen. Um, in the pandemic and how it's amplified social injustice and racism. Um, I think it's just really like, it's almost really revealing what we already know, black and brown people coming in last, 
getting the leftovers, uh, not being considered, not being thought of. It's really just this kind of the same thing. It's really just like a like, yeah, I know, I know, ain't really new. Um, this confirms my beliefs and about this country. So, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> and as far as like the 2020 movement for Black liberation and how that, um, and if it's uh, and its ability, I'm gonna just read the question. Uh, so. How do I believe the 2020 movement for Black liberation has Black and Asian people's ability to cope, understand, and articulate how racism racism affects them, um, and how it's changed since the pandemic? That's a tough question. I think just because I know what the question is and asking me to to like talk or speak on behalf of like Asian peoples, you know. But I think like I really wouldn't know. I think I have theories as far as like. Um, what they're sort of like thinking about, but you know, I think even when we talk about like, even within this pandemic or even within recently, like 2020 and 2021, I think there's still a lot of, um, what's my word? I think there's still a lot to be unpacked. You know, I think even when we're talking about Asian peoples, I think usually what we're, who we're talking about is East Asians, you know, we're not necessarily bringing in, um, South Asian, Southeast Asians, um, Middle Eastern folks, like we're not really talking about all of them um, and we're not including them in the conversation, you know? So I think that's uh, that's something we really need to, to work on as a country. Um, and yeah, but as a, I guess as a black person, um, yeah, I think, I think it's honestly just like I said before, like I think it's really about fighting the good fight. Um, really just, um, cause I think at this point, like if you don't see what's going on, you don't wanna see what's going on, you know? Um, cause I feel like it's so in your face that you have to really run from it to not see it. So um, I know for me, um, my duty is to hold myself accountable hold the people I love accountable um, and to make sure that, you know, we are embodying, um, you know, we're, we're embodying what we, what we talk about, you know, and just um, not just preaching, but also just, uh, also just walking that walk as well. So yeah, that was pretty long with it too. <laughs> No, but it's great because I feel like, you know, when I think about all the events and stuff, I always feel so grateful to get to be here with you all and have these deep conversations. And when I think about, um, what you call it, when I think about what my favorite event has been here so far. Oh, I just got the notification there. Um, so when I think about how like our favorite, like what our favorite, my favorite event has been is uh, the vaccine event where we we went online. I think it was like the first part was in January. And yeah. that was been my favorite event because again, there's just so much diversity in opinion. And as a teacher, I always encourage like my students, it's like, it's okay to disagree. I feel like we're in this kind of like thumbs up, always like, yay, yay kind of culture where you always have to kind of 
fit in and mold yourself based off of how we were taught to be like, well, if you want to be liked, that means you have to change your opinion. You have to change who you are. You have to do all these different things just to fit in. And it, it, it was nice to have an event where people were just, we all had different opinions and it was great because if you never have a thumbs down, like how are you ever going to have a thumbs up? Like there's always two sides to the coins. Like there's always going to be someone who disagrees with you there's always going to be people who agree with you, but how do we cope with that moving forward? And I think a lot of the events that we do here at TNBC kind of help push the envelope forward and push the agenda of like, okay, we need to really think critically and think smartly about these things. And I think the biggest challenge that we face is kind of this mass consumer culture of capitalism and how we have to always try to, to be like, the ideal group of, that people want to come to and have like this set schedule and have all these different set things. And I think we do things kind of at our own pace and it's more fluid. And that's something that I know has been like a blessing, but also like a challenge. Cause then if we're trying to kind of move things forward and back, it's like, we're, we're like a tide of sorts. Um, I know TNBC has kind of shaped the way that I've experienced life moving forward. Cause I personally had a lot going on in my life at the time because i know i'm a bit older in my mid to starting to get to late 20s <laughs> so when i think about in the time of covid it, it has been a whirlwind and it's just been nice to have some moments to breathe to have moments to feel like i belong but it also just kind of has moments to have more conversations with one another so when i think about when we have our conversations on race it kind of got me into a space where i can have civil discourse and I can kind of agree to disagree or instead of that we can educate one another because I don't know everything not no no one does but we can always seek new knowledge we can seek new stories and experiences that'll really give us like more more to each other by by uh, learning from our own intersections of ourselves and it, it was a nice moment to really think about intersectionality in the time of COVID and as a social justice educator I always think well, which identities are now more prominent in my mind because of COVID-19? Is it race? Is it gender? Is it sexual orientation? And how do these all work together? Because we live in a society that likes to put things in silos. Yes, like a farm where you just stuff everything in and you just stay in your little container. And it's just like, why are we silo each other? Like, I don't understand when we were this whole beautiful picture. And it's really not only decolonizing and deconstructing our minds, but also thinking about how that impacts our behavior, right? So when I'm going out to educate people, I want to think about, okay, well, if I'm coming from a, a conversation from TNBC, how can I now take this conversation and put it into action? It's one thing to talk and have great conversations, but it's another thing to say, I'm going to change the way that I treat people from a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's how I look at you, whether it's how I talk to you, whether it's how I, I, I interact with you, or even subconsciously think about you. Yes, those weird dreams matter, right? So when I think about all the different things with the movement for Black liberation and Black and Asian people's struggles, I part of me feels like, yes, we have made progress, but also no, because I see on the news even nowadays that, you know, we, we like to, well, I shouldn't say we, because I'm a part of, well, black and white so but i've been mislabeled as asian and um people like to kind of steal th from one another's culture as a way to move up the ranks and i've been seeing this in fashion i've seen it in stories i've seen it in a lot of different ways and i i feel like yes people are starting to connect more thanks to 
um, the internet, but also not because how can people truly understand everything and comprehend it when they haven't been given the tools to do so? It's like when I'm teaching someone how to read or how to understand what was written, how can you understand it from more than one perspective? I don't want to have tunnel vision. I want to open up my horizons. I want to put on a new pair of sunglasses and say, wow, I see things from a queer perspective. Or, oh, let me try on this pair. Oh, I can see this from an ableist perspective. Oh, let me try on this pair. And it's something that takes practice and time and hard work. And I feel like, in my opinion, not everyone's willing to put in that hard work because it's an active choice to change yourself or to help change those around you. So I hope that we'll continue to have constructive conversations in the future with TMBC. You know what? I just want to actually piggyback on what um, Costello just said. Like that was very strong in the points that you um, stated. Um, And I would, you know, answer all the questions that are listed, but I really want to speak on, um, um the the how do you believe the 2020 movement for black liberation has black and asian people's ability to cope understand and articulate articulate how racism affects them and change since the pandemic so i definitely agree that um there has been no change um like i still see racism happening i still see people getting killed left and right and me as a almost 16 year old, it's just like shocking because I'm seeing my own kind getting shot. And then I'm, I'm hearing adults tell me, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, um, like you're ignorant because you think all police officers are, you know, doing are bad. Right. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, and then I don't feel safe in my own school environment because they have all this these biases. And it's just like, OK, yeah, just be quiet, you know, Um And um, I definitely agree how, like, TNBC, like, we need to focus more on these issues and keep on speaking out about it because um, a lot of people have, just like me, we have um, experienced racism or, like, situations that, um, uh, like, people have, like, called out, called them out, or called (laughs) um, youth out on, like, certain things, like, calling them ignorant or etc right so i definitely think um that's something we definitely should focus on more in the future and like exercising our voice so others can be heard and we can be heard um and yeah i just wanted to mention that and just going back to our first question i believe our first event or the first event that i have attended with you guys or i met you guys the first time um i don't know um, what it was called. I don't know if you guys can mention it, if you remember. Oh, I think it was My Vote Counts. That was the, yeah. the one in October. It was in October. Yeah, yeah. That that one was, I mean, it was kind of awkward for me because, like, I didn't know you guys, but um, I, I appreciated it so much because it kind of, like, um, showed me where I was at, where I needed to grow, needed to grow, and, like, I already knew, you know, Costello, and I, so I had that connection. And I met these new people and I had these like very thorough conversations and it was just like, wow, you know, and like expanded my like mindset and I just was learning and learning and learning. So I appreciate that the most. And um, I, I think the one, the event Jakai mentioned earlier, I also liked because of the same things, hearing others, other people's perspective. Um, yeah, it was just, a, it was just awesome. And just me being 15, you know, it's just like, wow you know um and then 
was the biggest challenge we faced as a group? I really couldn't answer that because, again, I did join a little bit late. I don't think um, um, oh, think um, yeah, I don't think we've really faced a big challenge. But what was the um, biggest win? I think us like expanding our group. You guys did a wonderful job with that, especially um, taking me in and all the um, I think like every month we have like a new event. So I just want to say that's just amazing. Um, and then how has CNB shaped the way COVID-19 has impacted me in life? Um, again, like mentioned, it really, you know, broadened, broadened my horizon. Like I learned um, new things. I learned more about you guys. And I it's like a safe haven for me. I know that I can like come to you guys for anything if I need advice. Um, so it's just, it's really nice to have right now because there's a lot of chaos happening in our world today. So it's just, it's needed, you know. Um, and then what, uh, how has COVID-19 pandemic amplified social injustice and racism? So as mentioned, like, it's obviously, it was, um, we were kind of blinded by what was happening around us, or at least I was. And now, like, we see on um, TV, like, people getting killed, like George Floyd. Um, we, um, like, the even politics and the presidency. So it's just all, like, COVID-19 has amplified it. We see it. And it's just like, okay, now what are we going to do? How are we going to um, create change? How are we going to cultivate change in our society today? So, yeah, it has amplified it a lot. Um, and, yeah, just like mentioned, like, we just need to keep on moving forward, having these wonderful conversations and connecting, creating relationships and bonding. And I definitely think we will be we'll continue, actually, our path on um, you know, creating change. So, yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you, Sage. And kind of going off of like what everybody said, I think one thing first, I think that I know for all of us, especially for me, it was important to prioritize, um, especially Costello had kind of said this, prioritize rest and like rest being radical when it comes to like social justice and racial justice work. And like ensuring that like, as we're doing this, like very labor, it's very time consuming, very, um, emotional like a very like emotional emotionally like triggering work that we like take space and take time to like be one with ourselves be in community with each other and not just always have to like tax ourselves with that like having a good balance of the both so saying that to say that like I don't really necessarily have a favorite event like I love each and one of our events for a different reason like I think our East Hartford event was like unique in the way that it was our first event it was our first event in person there was so much work that had went behind that first event. There were so many obstacles to getting that off the ground. I remember like trying to like um, get the space and having like bureaucracy and having to learn that like um, people and um, institutions harking things up to bureaucracy was also like another manifestation of racism. And that was like a barrier that we definitely had to face at our first event. And we took that like knowledge and learned from it. And we used that as we went into our uh, the events in the future. So like, I love the first event for that reason. Um, I also love that it goes in my hometown. Um, I love the West Hartford event because it was like focused on like medical racism, similar to what Jakai said. And I feel like we were really, really able to have kind of like a very um, in-depth discussion with like various perspectives um, on that topic and kind of like being able to see how different people like approach that topic. 
I love the my vote count because it was like right in front of the Capitol and we were able to um really cultivate a different experience I feel like at that one we had um like a very passionate speaker um that was really able kind of to tie the things together like our community conversation was very integral and it was like very poignant at that time um as far as like voting goes and I think I'll I also loved, I loved all our virtual events. The most recent one, I loved the most. I feel like it was a, such a different energy for us, um, the collab that we did because we had never collabed before. And I think collabing and seeing how we can fit into um, other spaces, it was really cool to see like a different dimension of how TVC can work as like just being like um, able to supply like a moderated discussion and based on topic, based in historical context, based in fact, that we're able to like really um, invoke conversation out of other people and try to create solutions. I think some of my favorite, favorite events though, was like the ones that we would like meet up, like not necessarily like unofficial events, but like more so in-house events. So like the one that we had when we had the cookout or when we went, met up at the reservoir and took a walk and really just were able to kind of like go through like how are we feeling? Where are we at in life? How do we see this going forward? And just kind of like talk about ourselves in context of like the racial social justice space, but also just in life as we're all kind of like transitioning into different aspects in our life. Um, I thought that all of that was just kind of like every event had its own cumulative, very impactful. Um, I feel like after every event, I felt like I was truly like changed. I was like, oh my gosh, like I know this is the work I want to do. I feel like we're really doing some transformative work. And it just felt very fulfilling and rewarding after each one, um, for sure. I would say, how has the COVID-19 pandemic amplified social injustice and racism? I think COVID-19 and the pandemic have been the great um, exposure of inequities in it. Like as all, um, as everybody has said, like, this is nothing new. This has been existing since the inception of our country. Um, but COVID-19 really forced people, if they wanted to or not, they had to see it every single day. There was nothing else for us to do. There's no distractions. So you had to sit there and watch just the, the violence and the, the brutality that's, been, that's being inflicted upon Black people day to day, not just police violence, even though that's the most extreme version and the most horrific version, insidious version, but also looking at health inequities and how COVID-19 is killing black and brown people disproportionately and how in those communities they lack this um, the, the stable, sustainable infrastructure of um, hospitals and other healthcare systems, looking at the vaccine rollout and just looking at the intersection of the environment and people being able to socially distance and the people that have the privilege to socially distance or the privilege to stay home versus the people that are essential, deemed essential workers, um, like healthcare workers, but also like the people that worked in your grocery store, the people that had to go to work in the midst of the pandemic. And it's like really forcing people to sit back and recognize how we, um, because in a lot in a lot of ways, people, things are become hegemonic and they don't have to ask questions, that it just is like, this is what it is. And COVID-19 forced people to ask like, is this the way we want society to continue to work? We see that it's structurally violent to a vast majority of people. Do we want to keep doing what we're doing or do we want to change course? And I think, the pandemic kind of gave us that reckoning of sorts of like, if we're gonna do it, if we're gonna do it at any time, this is a time that to do it because there's, this is like the reset in a lot of ways of us trying to um, go right upon the right path. And kind of going off of that, I think that 
the movement for Black liberation this summer definitely has helped shift or at least shape how people um, on a general level like articulate and understand racism. So I know, like I talked about earlier and Castell talked about about how social and racial justice um, work and like thought and perspective has been siloed for many, many of years. And you, you'll get your pockets and groups that are very much so um, about that work, about that action, but you also have people that are, you know, stringently will push back or are just latent and don't necessarily have, you know, a push in either way. And I think that COVID-19 has forced people to reckon with, acknowledge, and um, in a lot of ways, choose a side in what they're going to do. Because um, either you're anti-racist or you're racist because we live and exist in a system that's systemically racist and inherently racist from its inception. So you have to be trying to do active work, continuous work to make that change. And to Costello's point too, I think also a lot has stayed the same. Um, I think that after the the lights have left, um, and they haven't left entirely, but I mean, as things start to die down, things go back to normal, uh, people's attention start to shift and um, priorities start to change. And I think we've definitely seen that when it comes to like the Black Lives Matter movement. The people that have always been doing the work are still doing the work. But I think that a lot of the people that were there during the midst where we saw the, the critical mass of people, um, it's hard, it's become hard and harder to keep everybody engaged. But I think one thing, if nothing else, that has been transformative and I found very like impactful is that I feel like the dialogue is shifting as like at first talking about racial social justice would be debatable or it would be, you know, you'd be met with a lot of like um, friction. But I feel like now that's like time progresses and after the, the movement for black lives that it's less and less has become a debate and more and more has been accepted as reality. And yes, there are exceptions to that, very vast exceptions to that. But I think that if nothing else, we've, started to chip away at like, oh, racism as the individual interpersonal level and move toward understanding racism as a system that is systemic, that exists in all our institutions. And that in order to eradicate racism, we have to make sure we're interrogating and really um, trying, to, trying to shift, change and reimagine how we exist in society so that nobody is um, being structurally violated um anymore so with that um i'm going to do our closing quote of the and without further ado so one of our quotes that we have on our website is from the great thurgood marshall the first black um supreme court justice and this is from his bicentennial speech and also kind of sums up our outlook on how we um we are approaching our social justice work. And he says, I do not believe that the meaning of the constitution was forever fixed at the Philadelphia convention, nor do I find the wisdom, foresight and sense of justice exhibited by the framers particularly profound. To the contrary, the government they devised was defective from the start, requiring several amendments, a civil war and a momentous social transform transformation to obtain the system of constitutional government and its respect for the individual, individual freedoms and human rights we hold as fundamental today. When contemporary Americans cite the constitution, they invoke a concept that is vastly different from what the framers barely began to construct two centuries ago. And with that, 
um, TMBC hopes to invoke that anti-racism work and social justice work has to be a continuous con conscious act. Um, it requires us to learn and relearn the ways of being in the world and question what is hegemonic to ensure that we're not just falling into the inherently violent, violent status quo. It requires us to believe and imagine a world more just than the one we live and do the work to achieve that. And with that, we want to complete sign off um, from this podcast, our first one, TMBC. Yeah. <laughs>